just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. It's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something, or, you know, Drew's gone and it. I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year thinking we're going to be the shit. What up? Welcome back to Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Brood Crew Media, presented as always by AGI Specialty Valves and Zapardo's Family Market. I'm Jacob Krasno, alongside my trusty co-host, Allison Pratt, uh, TBD, if Bryce is here or not. Sean can't make it because he is a new dad, so welcome to uh, the Houdat Nation, Ella Haspel. Um, we're sorry that the first game you were in the world for was an absolute stinker, just like your diapers. Um <laughs> The Saints lost to the Falcons 24 to 15, Allison. And uh, I think this is just going to be us trying to therapize each other because uh, what has always been true about this team remains true. Once again, we're going to sound like broken records. Pretty much like everything that could have gone wrong in this one went wrong. And like the worst qualities of the Dennis Allen coached Saints. Uh, we're on full display, and now we are second in the division, but still tied for first. But like, we don't look like a team that's tied for first in the division. So, uh, what was uh, well, this is a loaded question, Allison? But what was BS about this game? I mean, <laughs> pretty much, pretty much everything about it. I just feel like I'm watching the same game over and over again. But I think to me, the biggest BS is that we continue, not we, like Derek Carr puts our teammates in positions to get injured because he's throwing bad balls. And then the injuries get to be blamed for the reason why we're not performing. Yeah. Um, Derek Carr threw some hospital balls in this one. There was, we don't know like what play Rashid Shahid got injured on exactly, but, Carr threw a pass behind him that he had to sort of like stumble to catch and probably would have been a touchdown had he caught it in stride. And then there was the, uh, the, the duck he threw to Olave on the sideline that got him concussed. So <laughs> it's looking like next week we'll be playing the Detroit lions with uh, all three of our top receivers on the sideline. Cause Olave is probably not going to get out of the concussion protocol in time. And Nick Underhill tweeted today that Rashid Shahid probably wouldn't be available. So, and Michael Thomas is on IR. Um, it, it seemed like the, if you were to pick uh, like an A plot for what went wrong in this game, it was Derek Carr's uh, below subpar play. He threw a pick six inside the 10. Couldn't get the Saints into the end zone at all. Um, I, I know Sean, his, his take is that we should fix the things around Carr and try to make it work with him. But Allison, I think you and I are uh, on the other side of the coin here. 
I, I think I've seen enough from Carr. Like, I, I don't think that this is going to get better. He is who he is. And I don't want to hear anything about his salary next season. Like, who cares? It's not our money. Fucking bench him or move on. Like, I, I, I can't. I can't sit through another year of this. Well, and at a bare minimum, right? Like, this year we could try something else because this year nothing has improved. Not one thing and if we're going to be cool with pick sixes we might as well live dangerously with Jameis. right (laughs) yeah why not i think that we've had three passing touchdowns past four games or something and none of them are from Derek Carr. two of them are from Jameis, and one is from Taysom Hill. right yeah we've got a 150 million dollar quarterback that can't do the thing that we're paying him to do yeah, it's. I saw a stat today that was like, in the 15 years of Drew Brees being the starting quarterback, we had two games in the division in which he did not throw, or which the offense didn't score a touchdown. And in this season alone, we have two games in the division that we didn't score a touchdown. This game and the Bucks game. Um, eerily similar games where we just kind of got bullied on the line of scrimmage and the offense couldn't do anything. Although, this game was was weird in that we moved the ball very well between the 20s. We just couldn't punch it into the end zone. If we score touchdowns instead of kick field goals, we'd probably blow the Falcons out. But we didn't obviously didn't do that, so it doesn't matter. It's moot. The play calling in the red zone is has been all year just, like, baffling. Yeah. Like, like you have Alvin Kamara and you have this Taysom Hill run game that statistically is proven to be a weapon. And I feel like five out of six times we're just throwing three weird outs into the end zone. It's like, why? And where is Jimmy Graham? Like, you signed this, you, you revived him from the dead. You exhumed his corpse, supposedly to help out Derek Carr in the red zone. You throw one pass to him, which he catches for a touchdown in the Green Bay game. And then you never use him again. He's like a healthy scratch. Like, what's going on? It's just bad roster management. It's bad coaching. It's bad yeah. play calling. It's, it's, it's infuriating. And, like, the Falcons are also poorly coached. But, like, they were just less poorly coached. Yep. Yeah, Andrew Juge of uh, Saints Happy Hour um, made a really good point. Like, this is a team that really only got its ass kicked in one game this year, which was the Bucks game. We were never really in that one. And in all the other losses, we had a chance to win. Like, we have con- the only thing that this team is good at, you know, the identity that this team has. Um, Alvin Kamara said after the game, oh, this is a team without an identity. We say we have an identity. We don't have one. Well, the team does have one, and it is a team that shoots itself in the foot over and over and over again. And it hasn't been quite as egregious this year. Last year, the mistakes were like really like prominent, like fumbles and pick sixes. This year, it's more like annoying penalties, dropped passes in the red zone. Stuff very, 
not as many turnovers, but very poorly timed turnovers. Um, but it's been the same story since day one. And it's just a team that like isn't good at the little details. All the things that made Sean Payton a taskmaster and like uh, someone who like knew every inch of of the roster, like knew how to maximize like every player's strengths and like who didn't tolerate like any sort of mistakes, like in a game of inches, like he accounted for every single inch like this, that is like this team's kryptonite. And it's been that way since day one of the Dennis Allen era. We called it last year. We say it every week. It's not going to change. And uh, for that reason, I'm out. I just like, don't really, like, I struggle with, like, the offense has looked, like, the exact same, like, clueless overall, like, just feels like even when we move the ball that it's, like, on accident, right? You're like, oh, wow, like, Alvin Kamara got eight yards and he probably right. should have only gotten two. Or, like, oh, wow, Chris Olave made an insane catch, like, with a guy draped all over him. And then, like, every third play, Carr, like, has a self-sack. And there's just no improvement on anything. No. And you see all these other teams just, like, attempting to, like, get creative and use motion and, like, do all this stuff to, like, think, make the defense think you're doing something different. And we're just like, nope, here it is. Here's our product. It's the same as last week. So yeah. you know exactly what to do. It's we're the worst kind of middling team. Like we're we'll boring. be good. We'll be good. Yeah. We're boring. We're good one week. We're bad the next. We're bad, but we win a close game. Like, and there's a huge difference between a team that is 500 because of play like that and a team that is 500 because they started out like one and six and couldn't figure it out. And then they figured it out and they win the next like eight games in a row. And that's exactly what's happening in Denver in with Denver, Sean Payton. Yeah. Like, they gave up 70 points in one game. It was a fantasy football player's wet dream. Like, the Dolphins had eight touchdowns between two running backs. And then now they're, like, shutting out the best teams in the league. Like, they beat the Bills. They beat the Chiefs. They hadn't beaten the Chiefs in, like, a decade. Yeah. And, like, Sean Payton, like stomped them um and like that's the difference between these two teams like that's what we miss we 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 have a team that is like not buying into the little things and it's going to be their downfall uh like could you like i i i I can't imagine what peyton would have done if one of his players did what at perry did on like the first drive of the game um on sunday where he like ran the wrong route and like immediately recognized it and just gave up on the play and just stopped. Like if, if a Sean Payton coached player did that in a game, he would have kidnapped the player, taken him back in time, tied him up in the hard rock hotel and detonated it like a fucking cartoon character. Like that, like he wouldn't tolerate that at all. And it just like went on unmitigated on Sunday like that to me plays like that, or it's a microcosm of, of why this team is going to always suck (laughs) under Dennis Allen's 
purview. They're not interested in in getting better. They're just like, oh, maybe this week it'll it'll be different without changing anything that they do per se. I would do dirty things to be a fly on the wall in these meeting rooms. We always rail against the Saints getting picked for hard knocks, but I think this is one instance in which I wish they had been picked for the in-season hard knock show because I want to know what is being said in that building and why no one has really taken any like actual responsibility for what's gone wrong. We keep getting these like weird gaslight answers from, from DA and it's, it's really, it's, it's infuriating. Um, it does seem like the discourse after this game is even louder than it has been in the past. Like you have people that on Twitter and on various podcasts who have not exactly been like DA apologists, but people that have said like, realistically, you know, they're not going to fire him in season. His job's not in danger yet. They're probably not going to fire Carmichael, et cetera, et cetera. Now these people are saying like, it needs to happen and it needs to happen now. So for what it's worth, at least that's out there. Yeah. I mean, at some point people are going to stop going. Yeah. Why would you spend hundreds of dollars on a Sunday to go do that? Yep. You know, that's one thing I've said before on the podcast and (laughs) Sean kind of scoffed at it, but it really is the best way for fans to push back against. I mean, people are still always going to, some people will always go. Yeah. But like, it's not like, I didn't even enjoy watching it (laughs) from my couch. (laughs) Basically from the moment car through the pick six on Sunday, from that moment on, it was, it was pure misery and pain. One of the things that made the saints so lovable during the especially the early years of the Peyton Breeze era was that we had been losers for so long. And it was like, yeah. oh, this fun loving city, these these great fans, they finally get their moment of glory. But like we're not that franchise anymore. Like we had almost two decades of like sustained excellence. And like we shouldn't settle for like bad like a bad product no this is our we we choose to spend our time and our money on the saints also there's just too much talent yeah like it's just like when you like like when you look at other teams and watch them you're just like you don't have nearly as much talent but you're just better because you try harder and are coached better like i just like we lost to fucking Josh Dobbs off the street. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of funny. It's just like, what is Derek Hart doing? Like, what, what bothers me is like, you know, like back in the day, like you knew we were going to get one like game from Drew Brees that was like shitty, like where we don't score a touchdown, but like one. And then you know that he just went home and like immediately started watching film. Like, do you think anybody in this team watches film? It doesn't maybe seem maybe they like watch it. it, but maybe then they don't do anything. 
it's really it, it's baffling. Throws, he will throw underneath when there's like a wide open guy on the outside, and then he'll throw on the outside into like triple coverage when like somebody's open on a crossing. It's like he's just not. He doesn't see it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lack of attention to detail. That that's what made Breeze so transcendent was that his brain was as much of, if not more, of a weapon than his his arm and his athleticism. Yeah, I didn't know what we had when we were living in that <laughs> time. I feel like I never took him for granted. I, I knew... I didn't take him for I, granted, but I didn't... I just assumed we would find somebody else. <laughs> Maybe uh, you know what it actually was. I just didn't think Peyton would leave us. Yeah, that really felt... It really did feel like we got dumped by, yeah. by someone we were in love with. It just sort of came out of nowhere. I mean, I didn't believe any of the reports when they were yeah. being bandied about. To keep things things optimistic for a second here, and maybe to indulge in a little bit of like fan fiction, I, I do think if if the if the wheels fall off and we end up with a top ten or even like a top fifteen pick, we're gonna have a shot at drafting a really good quarterback. Yeah, because this class is pretty strong. I mean, we've we've talked about how we don't really like Caleb Williams. We're not gonna have a chance with Caleb Williams. Like NFL scouts are, are creaming their pants over this guy but like i think like Jaden daniels like is gonna end up being a first round pick and like he seems like someone who's is because he's like a late riser like he may end up in the second half of the first round and like yeah i don't know maybe i'm biased because i'm an lsu fan but i've watched every game of his lsu career and like this dude is a fucking cheat code and like my outlook on the franchise would change instantly if even if we kept da and got some like new hotness at offensive coordinator and they drafted Jaden daniel like i would be ecstatic i would be so happy about that um but i think like you know my fandom aside like we're gonna have a shot to like fix all of this in the off season. I, I, I don't think that they're going to just do sit idly and like do nothing. If we end up missing the playoffs or I just like, want us to miss the playoffs. <laughs> well, well, like, <laughs> like, we were right? like wh why, why would we go and get like a worse draft pick to just get our ass kicked by Dallas at home? Yeah. You know, what's interesting about Dallas and then I, uh, this is my like crazy prediction for what will happen if if we do somehow win the division and end up playing the Cowboys in the wild card round. They have not beaten a team with a winning record this year, right? Like they've lost, they lost to the Eagles both times. They only played them once. Oh, they only played them. Game was weird, but yes, they did lose to them. But yeah, like, they blew it. I don't think they've I don't think they've beaten a team with a winning record all season. So that's yeah. a game I could see uh Have we? <laughs> <laughs> you know, off the top of my head, that's a good question. I don't I don't think we have. No. Titans. 
Um, Panthers. Patriots. Those are like three of the worst teams. <laughs> <laughs> Who else did we beat? Uh, uh, not the Jaguars. Um, the Colts. Oh yeah, they have, they're frisky. They have a winning record. So one team. That more than one more than that. Yeah. It would be like that would be a very saintsy thing if the Saints uh like limped into a division title at nine and eight, host the Cowboys, and then win the game. <laughs> well, it would be the opposite of what happened when we went to Seattle and got beat. Yep. That's a game I literally never think about. Like I, I think ne- about it all the time. I know exactly where I was, and I was so mad. Yeah, that was 2010. Like I, like in a way, in a way, those two back-to-back playoff losses like hurt more than the freak accidents. Yeah, we're getting really off topic here, but like. I was thinking about the 49ers game the other day. Like, that was fucking horrible. That one, I would say, like, if I had to rank the games that live rent-free in my head, um, the 49ers game in 2011 is probably... The worst one. I would probably... That team was the best team we ever assembled, besides 2018. Yeah, that one is really... That one's maddening. I, I don't ever think about the Beast Quake game. Like I just it that even though we were defending champions and that team had some magic to it, that we were really injured and we like really really struggled to make the playoffs that season. Like the the Falcons were really good in twenty ten. Yeah, that was they, the year they they won the division. We were the wild card. Yeah. Yeah. They won the division. We were the wild card. There was a game in Atlanta that was like to decide the division and we lost. Matt Ryan won MVP that year. That might have been his MVP season. But I mean, did he really have one? Should we even recognize it? <laughs> I don't know. Um I mean the no call probably is like the number one. But I the Minnesota Miracle is like right up there with me. Like to me, the games where we had just like an epic, like where the game was like one, we had it in hand, and there was like just one play that was an epic fail. Like those are the ones that like really bother me. And like the Beast Quake game, we like there was one play that is like famous, but we didn't lose because of that run. No, that's true, and we didn't lose. Well, that the Fortnite game was just crazy. Yeah. Like the Beast Quake oh. game, we were, we were up 17 to nothing. We, we blew a three-score lead. Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't know, Allison. Like, I, 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 I feel like it's, it's not impossible that the, the brain trust on Airline Drive could surprise us and they make some sort of move to shake things up because they know, they know that we're frustrated. Like, but the bye week was the time to do that, don't you think? On paper, it seems that way, but like, why not now? Like, why not do it now? It's the season is on the brink because if you lose to the Lions, 
and the Falcons beat the Jets, we are in a very deep hole. Yeah. Like, we won't control our own destiny at that point. Yeah. The Falcons will be a full game up on us in the division. And even though we play them again, like, there's a long, there's, there's, you know, four games in between next week and the final week of the season. So we would need a lot to go our, our way. Um, but uh, let's talk about the Lions before we get out of here. Um, they, <laughs> they, they pulled off a pretty miraculous comeback against the Packers on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Um, they've gotten their asses beat a couple times this year, but by and large, they're, they're an NFC powerhouse this season. And on paper, like they're, they're probably going to come in here, come into the dome. They're going to bring a lot of fans and they're going to absolutely uh, dismember us. Yeah. We have not looked good against the run the last few weeks. The Lions have probably the two best running backs in the NFC right now, in David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. And, and they have really good receivers, and Lattimore probably out again. Yep. Not having Lattimore against Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be um, challenging, to say the least, for the defense. But like I, I see this as a game where they're going to run for like over 250 yards against us. And that's how they're going to beat us. They're going to beat us on the ground. We run the clock out and we take forever to score a touchdown when we do score them. They come in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And they, oh, is CD Deuce, is he, is Chauncey Gardner Johnson healthy right now? Cause he plays for the lions. I don't think so. Cause definitely would have seen him during the game on Thanksgiving, which I did not. Yeah. I think that's what I'm going to be hoping for the most in this game. It's like some sort of scuffle between him and our players. Yeah, true. Talk about decisions that came back to bite us in the ass. Yeah. That was like his first decision. What do you think, Allison? Do you want to throw a prediction out there for this one? I haven't even looked at the line yet. I haven't looked at it either. If I had to guess, I would say it's Lions minus five and a half. They are road favorites. Um, they're, uh, let's see. As of this morning, they were three and a half point favorites. So they're about, Vegas they're really favored by a touchdown. Yeah, they haven't reset us yet. Like, we are bad. We can't score points. Is the over under like 41? No, oh, 44 and a half. Like, what are the Lions scoring 31 points? Because we can't score more than 12. <sighs> that seems like a lot of points for this game. I'm just I'm saying, like, have they been watching our team? We can't score any points. <laughs> I bet it shifts. I, I mean, it's for sure going to shift when the practice reports come out and Olave yeah, and, and Shahid, or, yeah, when they're, they're ruled out. Yeah, so I think we're going to lose but not as bad as we should lose because the Lions, they're kind of lionsing. Yeah. You know? Like, they don't know how to be good, so I think they'll just play down to us a little bit. But we'll still play worse, and we'll lose by, like, eight, which seems to be what we lose by. 
<laughs> but it should you, be a double digit loss. <laughs> yeah. You know, this would be the week where like everybody counts us out. We all think the sky is falling and the saints come out and just kick their butts. I think that is within the realm of possibility that they hear the noise and they use it as bulletin board material. And we actually end up um, like pulling off a huge upset and like temporarily salvaging the year. I could see that happening. Um, and I, I want to root against Jared Goff because I feel like Jared Goff should be like public enemy number one in New Orleans for what he said about the no call. And like nobody ever talks about that. Yeah. Fuck him. He looks like Times Square Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I mean, you're just an idiot if you don't recognize that that was bullshit. But anyways. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to get off your chest before we get out of here? Just that I'm very, very, very sad that this organization has made me not like watching the games anymore. Yeah, it's gotten to the point where um, I, I had not been drinking during the Sunday games because I am an adult now and I want to like have the rest of my Sunday to do what I want to do and not be nursing like a midday hangover. But I think that might change. I think I might have to start imbibing to get through it. Yes. Yeah, the only way through the only way out is through. Um, there's a fantasy football podcast I listen to. And one of the hosts has a, a ranking that changes throughout the year of like players that he least enjoys watching. And uh, Derek Carr has been number one on that list for quite a while. It's so unwatchable. He's unwatchable. Yeah. That's why I just want us to play Jameis. Like, at least I would be excited. And if you threw a pick, I'd be like, oh, rats. Like, he was just trying to sling the ball. When Derek Carr throws it, it's like he threw into triple coverage and, like, the guy was zigging and he was zagging because he doesn't know what he's doing. That's not fun. Jameis throwing the ball all the way across his body is fun. Yep. And I think the locker room likes him. I suspect that. I suspect that as well. And it's not like Jameis isn't capable of of playing the type of football that we need to win. Because, like, to put a bookend on what we said earlier about how this team is just like week after week stepping on rakes and taking out the shotgun and firing it directly into their foot and obliterating it. Like all you need to do is play football that is mistake free. And Jameis was more than capable of doing that in 2021 when he took over in the, mm-hmm. the, the lone non breeze Peyton season. He was a game manager. Like he can, he can do it. You just have to coach him the right way. So hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, we will have fired Carmichael or benched Carr or something along those lines. Something. (sighs) All right. Black and gold BS is brought to you by 
AGI specialty valves. AGI specialty valves, the pump protection valve experts. With over 35 years of experience, AGI specialty valves is the number one supplier of automatic circulation, recirculation valves for pump protection. Don't let preventable pump failures cost you. Contact AGI specialty valves at 832-485-0003 or info at agivalves.com. Black and Gold BS is also brought to you by Zapardo's Family Market, the perfect blueprint for good ownership. They listen to their customers, make changes, and aren't afraid of a fire sale, unlike the ownership on Airline Drive. Makes a difference when the owners are there. A big difference. All right. For Sean and Bryce and Allison, I'm Jacob. This has been Black and Gold BS, the Reverend Saints podcast from Buku Media. Until next time, who dat? Who dat?